Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 207 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Allie, Cadence's mom. Now, Allie is very early in her grief journey. Cadence died in a tragic car accident only five months ago. Allie would be the first to say that sometimes it doesn't even seem real. It doesn't seem like Cadence could be gone at all. Since Cadence died five months ago, Allie says she's only slept in her own apartment about 10 nights. She's been traveling quite a bit, trying to stay with family and friends. And in that time, she found the podcast. She has found so much comfort in listening to the stories of other people that she really wanted to share her daughter, Cadence, with all of you, just as all of you shared with her. Thank you so much, Allie, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, I am looking forward to talking to you today and talking to you from different locations because you said you've been doing a lot of traveling lately. I have. Yeah. Not easy to be at home. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Totally get that. Totally get that. So I've just well, been staying yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you start out just by talking about your daughter, Cadence, and letting us get to know her a little bit? Okay. Well, you know, she was born October 15th of 2002. Oh, my gosh. That's my birthday. Is it? <laughs> yeah, that's yes. crazy. She's the youngest um, and my only girl. Okay. When she was born, um, her older brother, Chase, my first, was seven. And then her, my middle son, Bodie, he was about two and a half whenever okay. she was. And they were very, very helpful. Always wanted to do things and help her out. Yes. I mean, she didn't start walking till she was almost 14 months because my oldest would just carry her wherever she <laughs> needed to go. Oh, that's awesome. You know, when I had her, I, just having a girl, I was scared to have a girl because I had my two boys and, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do with a girl and I was not a pink person. And then I painted her entire room Pepto-Bismol pink. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she was just outgoing and do it, you know, just so fun and to stuff to be around just as a baby, she was even outgoing. And, oh. you know, we had um, a wraparound porch and she would at our house that we had built when she was a year old. And so she would follow her brothers. They would ride their uh, scooters around the porch and she would follow them around as much as she could. 
I mean, she was just a really good, good baby and good, you know, fun to be around all the time. Yeah. And then she was the first girl. So, of course, she was spoiled. Yeah. And the baby gets spoiled a little bit anyway, right? Yes. 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 She does. So, you know, growing up, her and my son Bodie, because they were only about two and a half years apart. Yeah. They were really close. And then my oldest, Chase, he, you know, they argued more and they were seven years apart. And But as they got older, they were, you know, a lot closer. And then the last two years, he was working out in the town that she was living in that she had gone out there for college. Okay. And so they had gotten really close then. Yeah. And we're spending, you know, a lot more time together. Seems that often happens when they get a little older, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would catch her many times just in her room whenever she was like six, seven, you know, older than that. She would take like my old iPhones mm-hmm. and would sing. She had like two of them. So she would, rec- I, I found videos one time that she would just uh, set the camera off. And then she had another phone that was playing music and like Taylor Swift and stuff. I mean, stuff that once she was older, she would never listen to. And yeah. so she would make videos and she always was doing artwork as she got older, like just constantly I mean she would get popsicle sticks and string and she could just find anything and make art out of it in her closet oh I love that so creative when she was little she you know like in elementary school I remember it had like the built-in shelves and everything yeah and she had American Girl dolls Mm -hmm. and So she found like scrap material and the built-in shelves. She made like a whole house in her closet for her American Girl dolls. I mean, it was like curtains and everything on the walls. (laughs) And so, I mean, you know, she was just always, always doing artwork, making art out of anything she could find. Uh My middle son, Bodie, he started an FFA whenever he was, I think, seventh or eighth grade and raised Future Farmers of America. Yes. Not everybody would know that. So I'm going to I'm an Iowa girl. So I know that. But not everyone does. But that's what it is. Future Farmers of America. So as soon as she was able, because he raised pigs, as soon as she was able to, she wanted to do that. So she only did it for a year, but, you know, she raised her pig and we went to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And I mean, that is just an amazing experience for him to be able to do all that stuff and raise animals. She loves all animals, had ducks. In her back, in the backyard, you know, I still have two of her turtles that she got at the fair when, I mean, I think she was eight and then the other one maybe at nine. Oh my goodness. They were like the size of a bottle cap, you know, <laughs> whenever. And now you know, they're like the size of your hand now. Oh, that's funny. Um, but they're two aquatic turtles and she just always, she loved all the odd animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not, yeah. not. She didn't want to go get a dog or go get a cat. She wanted to go get, you know, all the other animals. Yeah, right. (laughs) So as she started getting older and stuff, and then when she was in eighth grade, we moved to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Loved to snow ski. Um, We went on ski trips all the time. So um, I took her, 
we went for the summer between seventh and eighth grade and my grandmother ended up passing away at that time while well, the week after we got back home. Oh wow. Which was kind of the main reason I was staying in South Texas. So during that time when we came back, it just felt right. I mean, we always wanted to move to Colorado, so it just felt right to go. Yeah. So we went to Colorado and she of course continued with loving all of her art stuff and decorating and keeping her space very neat and organized, but there was a lot of stuff. I mean, there wasn't a bare wall in her room. <laughs> yeah, she continued to get animals, and uh, about 15, I think she got a tortoise, a sulcata tortoise that will live to be like 120. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> and so... I joked with her then, like, what are you going to do with the tortoise? Like, yeah. you're going to have to will this to somebody <laughs> because we're going to have this tortoise. And it's like one that gets to be like four feet. I mean, huge oh, wow. tortoise. I mean, it'll be living in the backyard. And then after the tortoise, then we ended up with, she got a bearded dragon. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. A bearded, yes, it's a bearded dragon. So she got that, and then we still had the other two t turtles, and then COVID came around, and of course she wanted to get a crested gecko. Well, at this time, my oldest son was about to have a baby, so it's during COVID, and you know they're gonna ha they're gonna deliver these crested geckos on our porch and stuff. So she bought two. Oh. She was like, I'm gonna raise one for for Jacks for her nephew. Okay wasn't even born yet so I mean she was in her small tiny bedroom and she, of course then at this point we have now had to separate her turtles so she has a you know a 30 gallon tank a 30 gallon tank here she has her big 50 gallon for Rango then she has a tortoise that's living in her bedroom <laughs> and then every time we would go oh my we lived up in the mountains. I still do, but we were living up there. And every time we got the chance, she wanted to go down to Boulder so that she could get more art supplies. And I mean, she was always, always with her animals and always doing art. And uh, that's a lot. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then graduated uh, during COVID. And mm -hmm. the school, um, she was not. You know, her plans were not ever to go to college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she talked about being a tattoo artist. She talked, you know, and then she loved working at the ski resort. So it was kind of like, kind of convinced her, like, you know, there's the Colorado Mountain College. And she could do, you know, different things like ski and snowboard business or something. So she got in, accepted to Colorado Mountain College up in Steamboat. Mm-hmm. And went up there for school and it was during COVID and she's dyslexic and she doesn't like to read and I mean, it's hard for her and stuff. So that wasn't, and then business classes, she was like, I, I can't do business classes. <laughs> you know, she liked yeah. the fun, busy part of it, but not doing that. So she stayed in college there for one semester, no, for two semesters and she lived in the dorm. Mm-hmm. 
Of course, we had to get her a private dorm because she's so clean and organized. She's not, she had anxiety so bad. She was like, I, I can't live with somebody else. I'm like, it is for your mental health. We will make sure we get you a private dorm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she had her private dorm and stuff. And she managed through, through college for the first year. But, you know, being right after COVID, I mean, she didn't even go to classes. It was all on the computer. No, yeah. Which wasn't yeah. wasn't her thing. No, um, no, huh? You know, and then that's when my oldest son had moved up there, and so they were spending a lot of time together. You know, when we moved to Colorado, my middle son was about to graduate high school. The next a couple, of, I guess he was a sophomore, or a, he was going into his junior year, and he had been dating his girlfriend since eighth grade. He didn't, he wasn't going to go with us. And so he stayed in East Texas, but her and Bodie were extremely close always. They were, yeah. Because they were close in age. So they were always playing in the yard together and everything. But then her and Chase had that opportunity to get close also. So, you know, that was really good. And she was living in the dorm. And as soon as she went to the dorms, she met um, a boy, Patrick. Mm-hmm. And he quickly became her boyfriend, and she stayed in Steamboat so that he could finish school. But they moved out of the dorms. They got an apartment, and they're living in Steamboat Springs, and it's extremely expensive up there. They had a studio apartment that was maybe 400 square feet. I mean, you walked in, and you were like two feet from their bed, you know? (laughs) Then there was the kitchen, and it wasn't even... There wasn't an oven. I mean, it was just like a two burner stove. They had a full size refrigerator and stuff, but it was, it was tiny. Like I said, she loved art and she loved all these animals. So she had all those animals in in her apartment (laughs) and every wall was fully decorated tapestries on the ceiling. I mean, and she, Loved to collect things. I mean, if somebody gave her something, she just always held on to things. She's kept memories of everything. I mean, she would, like myself, I mean, if you see a rock, I mean, if I really like it, you know, I mean, she'll collect rocks and crystals and, I mean, just everything possible. She was living up in Steamboat and Patrick, her boyfriend, he's such a hard worker and he was going to school. He got, had gotten a scholarship, I think a full ride scholarship to college, wow. and he was in the culinary program. And so he was supposed to graduate this past May, which is extended mm-hmm. for a year now. But they they were perfect together, absolutely perfect together. I mean, he like, she was on medicine for her anxiety, and then and she had anxiety from a young age. I mean. I, I have it really bad. And so, you know, she's had a lot of yeah. things that have happened in her life, you know. So, I mean, her dad and I yeah. separated when she was two and a half years old. So, you know, and then there was a lot of things that just went on. So for her, you know, when she met Patrick, that was just like, that was, it was kind of like the medicine she needed. She didn't even need to, she was on medication before. And once he was just so calming and very helpful for her. That's beautiful. Yeah. To see them together and to see the way that they interacted was, it was really awesome. 
Do you want to talk now about what happened? Cadence and I were always really close. We look a lot alike. Oh, yeah. Look at you together. Wow. <laughs> you do look alike. So, and that was several years ago, but um, we look a lot alike. You know, the only real difference is that she was about three, three inches shorter than me. And we have the same hair, wear the same size clothes, same shoes, um, our styles the same. And we were just really, really close. And I mean, she was my best friend. So we would FaceTime days off or she was working at the come and go with Patrick, her boyfriend at the gas station. And she loved it. It was Mm -hmm. just, it was older people that worked there and they were just a very close knit family. And Cadence has a real old soul, loves, loves that music. I mean, the loves Grateful Dead, like Elton John is like one of, one of her favorites, Billy Joel. I mean, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> the morning of the accident was February 6th. And we always talked on, well, I mean, almost every day or at least texted, but we were both off on those days and she would usually would get up early. So she would start texting me at like 630 in the morning. And I'm like, it's my day off. <laughs> um, and, I, yeah. <laughs> and usually by like seven, she's like, you want to FaceTime? And so I, I went downstairs and I FaceTimed with her like we always would do on Mondays and we FaceTimed for about, you know, for over an hour, just talking about all kinds of things. And she told me that day that she might go to the ski resort and that she might go snow skiing because she had Uh the Icon ski pass and everything, which is so you can unlimited ski days. And so she had said she might go skiing and I was, you know, I know that's what she loves to do. Patrick doesn't ski, but he had just gotten his license and they had just bought a car at Christmas. And he didn't get his license until he was 20 or 21 because he had been in an, um, in a football accident when he was like six. Okay. So they, um, you know, I was happy that he was going to maybe drop her off at the resort. They were going to do that. But then... Later that day, it was like 1130 and I had life 360 and I had got notification Mm -hmm. that she had just finished a 45 minute car trip. And so I looked and they were in the town over getting groceries, which, you know, I was like, you're in. And I, I texted her. I was like, you went grocery shopping. She's like, yeah. Patrick and I just decided to spend the day together, which honestly did not surprise me. I mean, on their days off, they were going to yeah. spend it together. <laughs> so yeah. they went to the grocery store and stuff. And I was like, now it makes me nervous because I know y'all have to drive back. And that's just how I, I always was. You know, I was old. My biggest fear was that one of my children would be in a car accident. So I got that notification and I texted her and she was like, yeah, we're fine. You know, we just went and got, we're getting groceries and everything. So they went into the Walmart and grocery shopped. And then about 1.30, like two hours later, she sent me a text that they walked out to their car and they had a flat tire. And oh. so she asked me like what they should do and stuff. What Somebody that they... New happened to be parked right beside him. And so 
he helped them, helped Patrick get the tire changed and everything, and you know, basically, you know, did most of it. And her and I texted, and then there's a dead spot on that road that they were heading on, so we wouldn't be able to text for a few minutes. But we were texting about, you know, what she should do. And I was like, well, they sell tires at Walmart. You should just go right there. And she's like, well, we already left Walmart. And I'm like, okay, so I'm sending her places in Steamboat, you know. Right. Yes, where they could go. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of dozed off for a bit. And I woke up and I hadn't gotten a text back from her. So I looked on the Life360 app and I saw that they were just stopped in this one spot on that road and I knew right then that there was something wrong but honestly I thought that you know it was just maybe the tire didn't hold up maybe they had another flat and they weren't getting service so I was texting I was calling I was calling Patrick's phone I ended up my boyfriend and I we went to the post office and came back home and I looked at my phone and I had a voicemail I listened to the voicemail and it was the hospital. And so I immediately, in Steamboat, and so I immediately called it back. And they said that there had been an accident and um, that she was there and that she was going to need to be lifelighted because there was oh. on her brain that there, you know, there was swelling and stuff and that she needed to be lifelighted. And then there was weather coming in. And so the helicopter couldn't land. So they had her in the hospital there and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do and they were going to life flight her because if they were going to life flight her, that hospital was only an hour away from me. But if they were keeping her there, that was like, it's winter. So it was like a four hour drive. You have to go through um, a place called Rabbit Ears Pass, which is really high elevation and you know it was February there's snow coming yeah. in and so they were trying you know talking to me saying well hold on let me find out what's going to happen because we want to make sure that we have you going to the right spot so in the meantime you know I call, we get a hold of my other son my boyfriend gets a hold of him because he also worked up at the ski resort and told him he needed to get home because we were going to skate this was in an accident so and he was back where I live because he only worked where she was in the summer. So he gets home and they said to come to steamboat that they're going to put, they're going to do surgery in steamboat. Yeah. I thought that they were doing surgery to decrease the swelling on her brain. And so we're getting there. We're about 20 minutes away and they call and they said that they were ready to fly her to the other hospital. And I begged him, I said, please, please wait, I'm almost there. The weather was really picking up. It was windy. It was stormy. I mean, it was, there was snow coming in horribly. We got there, and it was, you know, like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night at this point. And in this small mountain town, the it's a, a bigger town than where I live, but we got to the hospital and you had to go into the emergency room. All the doors seemed to be locked at the hospital. I mean, I, I wasn't familiar with it. So we went to the wrong door, which I thought was the emergency. I think I ended, I just got out of the car and I was trying to get in the doors and I ended up, I think, running around the entire hospital till I found the correct door to go in. 
And um, they were, they said, you can come in and see her real quick, but we're getting ready to fly her on an airplane, um, not the helicopter. Uh-huh. And I just asked them, I said, can I please go? And they told me that they don't let parents on there because yeah. of everything. And then the doctor came back and he was like, you can go. Come on. Wow. And so they let me fly with her, and I didn't take anything with me because, you know, I mean, it's a very small plane, and they have two nurses in there working with her and on the airplane. And so my boyfriend and my son turned around and started driving the four hours back to the hospital that she was going to. So the air, so they had to take her, they had to go by ambulance to an airport first, which was 45 minutes was right past the accident Wow! because I was watching on Life 360 because I knew it was the same road. And so I saw right when we passed it, but I did, it was pitch black out there. I didn't see the car or anything. So we got to this airport, pulled in, and I got the airplane all ready and everything and got her in the plane. I, had, I got in the very back, and, you know, her head was, like, right in front of me. And then we flew... It was about an hour flight, and we flew to another airport that they landed at, and then we had to get in another ambulance, and it was like a 10-minute drive to the um, trauma, the level one trauma hospital. Yeah, yeah. So we got there. It's like 3.30 in the morning. They took me in. They told me to go in, took me to the emergency room, and they took her straight back. And they wanted me to go check in at the emergency room so that they would know where I was after they got, you know, while they were getting her room ready and stuff that she was going to be in. And I was there and the um, the chief of staff for the, or the nursing yeah. or for the hospital, she came in and she sat with me the whole time. And oh, that's beautiful. I knew that something wasn't right for her to be there with me the whole time. And then the doctor was ready to see me and talk to me. And they took me into a room. And they told me that she had a brain injury that yeah. that you don't... She couldn't recover from, yeah. And yeah. I had also thought when she was in Steamboat that they had done the surgery there to release the pressure off her brain. But they didn't have the equipment to do that. That's not what they can do. She had to be sent to the trauma hospital for that. So in Steamboat, they were actually, uh, she was actually in surgery because she had broke broke both of her femurs. Um, She had Mm -hmm. a lot of internal bleeding. And so they were repairing all of that. Right. Which has to be repaired too, actually. You can bleed with broken femurs. You can bleed so badly that that you can die too. So it's not that they were doing something way less important. Both were very Right, and she ruptured her spleen. And so they had, you know, they were just doing all of this other major surgery. Yeah. And that doctor came in and told me that. And I, you know, I just didn't. I, I don't know. I didn't believe yeah. it. And I, honestly, I don't, I still think I don't, but it just all still doesn't even seem real that this has even happened. Yeah. But about 45 minutes later, my son and my boyfriend got there and my oldest son, Chase. And by this point, my son Bodie was flying in at 8 30 in the morning because he was in Texas and we're in Colorado. Yeah. And 
It all just happened in a blur. This was, the accident was Monday. So now this is early Tuesday morning that they're telling me all of this. And it just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem possible, does it? Denver Airport is like 45 minutes from the the trauma hospital we were at. So my son got in at like 8.30. He got an Uber. And I mean, he said he told that Uber driver, I need to get there as fast as possible. And I saw the, I looked at to see where he was. And I saw, I was like, you tell him to slow down because they were driving, that Uber driver was driving so fast. I'm like, I can't have. Another one of my children yes. hurt also. I'm like, we're not going anywhere. Right. So, you know, he got there. And then a couple hours later, some really dear friends of mine that live in Texas, they found out at like that morning and they flew in and they were there, I think by 1130, like an hour later, then my sister came in and everybody just got to the hospital or got to the airport, got an Uber and got there. Yeah. Got it. Then my daughter-in-law, my son's wife from Texas, she flew in that afternoon, same thing. And we stayed at the hotel right there by the hospital. But we stayed with, somebody stayed with Cadence the whole time. I didn't, I wasn't going to just leave her in the, in the hosp, hospital room. And you know, they're doing all of their tests and everything. And then on Tuesday, they did some tests to see she was you know to confirm that she was brain dead and mm-hmm. the main thing that was really hard and is so hard for me to believe is she had no scrapes no nothing on her head nothing wrong with her face wow. i mean she looked just as beautiful as she always did. Like, she just looked like she was sleeping. Now, if I lifted the covers, I, I mean, I couldn't even look under the covers, under the blankets and stuff. Yeah. But um, to tell me that she was brain dead, for her not to have any scars or anything on her face was... That would make it harder, yeah. But I'm thankful because yeah. I got to see her the way that yeah, she was. Right. They did some tests and there was a slight movement in one of her fingers. Very, very slight. I mean, you had to really be watching to see it. But all of a sudden saw that. And the doctor said that he would come back. You know, they, they just figured then that that was just a reaction that happens with the body. But it wasn't anything yeah. really. So... The next day, they said that they would do the testing again later. I was like, I don't want to do it again today. I want to wait. Can we wait like 24 hours? Like, I want to give her the time to see if she's going to get better. I didn't want them to come back in four hours later. So he said, we'll come back tomorrow. So he did. He came back and it was the same thing. And then another doctor came in. Um, and by this time, it's Wednesday. And they came in and they confirmed it. At about, I think it was 4:05 on Wednesday, February 8th. But right before they, but right before they did that, they um, so right before they confirmed everything, uh, Donors Alliance had come in, um, the organ donation, and they wanted to talk to me. My sister and my boyfriend were right there for me the whole time. Like they're the ones that talked for me, and 
you know, I was there, but I wasn't. And so yeah, just the week before the accident, I was in Steamboat visiting Cadence and I took her to get her ID card. She didn't want her license yet, Mm -hmm. but she went and she needed an ID card. So we did that. And so she had chose to be an organ donor, which we had always talked about. And, but it was comforting that she had made that choice herself. And so they came in and they said that they had hold this information and that they that she was an organ donor and I said yes I took her last week just last Monday and they're like we see that so when they called it on February 8th we still had two more days with her because then they have to find recipients you know it's like everything changed but nothing changed for two more days because it's like we were at the other, on the other side now, but we were still with her. Like we still stayed with her in the room. I mean, we were all, we surrounded with her the whole time um, and stayed right there. And I, I wouldn't leave her at night. You know, somebody stayed with her every night. You know, February 11th or I mean, February 9th, that Thursday was just kind of a blur because we were all just in and out, you know, being with her and seeing her and everything. And visiting and then on that evening on Thursday evening they came in and said that they had a recipient that has accepted her heart and somebody that had accepted her liver and those were the only two things that could be donated and there was a lot of questions so much stuff I had to go through you know like her health and if she you know, drink alcohol, was a smoker. I mean, just everything that we had to, you know, talk about with the, with the donor organization because they need to know all of these things for, to get matches. And it, it all was just a blur to me. Yeah. But we went through all of that stuff. And so, you know, she had, she was able to be a donor, which was amazing. And then once she went into surgery, they would know if her kidneys were able to be donated. On Friday, February 10th, at 12 o'clock, um, she went for surgery. And mm-hmm. we had an honor walk, which was beautiful. The whole hospital just lined the, lined the walls of all the staff and people out there. And the whole way from the ICU to the surgery doors was just lined with people for her honor walk. And um, we all got to tell her, you know, tell her goodbye and all of that stuff. And um, we played mm-hmm. the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road um, during it because that was the last album I gave her at Christmas and she loved Elton John. And then um, her boyfriend was in the hospital in Steamboat and he, um, he's the one that was driving and it was thought that they mm-hmm. had hit ice and, um, they were in a head on collision. They crossed their car, crossed over the road, crossed over into the other lane and hit a truck. So he was still, you know, he was in the hospital and he, I think about 30 to 45 minutes before her honor walk, he was released and him and his mom went back to him and Cadence's apartment and we had him on FaceTime and um, we let him 
We wanted him on FaceTime to be able to be there with us for the honor walk. And yeah. my boyfriend held the phone up to her and let him talk to her. Yeah. And it was good. You know, they he was able to talk to her and stuff. And we all were. And the honor walk was, it was beautiful. We have since found out that there was actually something mechanically wrong with the car. Okay. Then it just broke on the car, which pulled them into the other lane, which I'm thankful for that being the outcome because Patrick's a part of our family, her boyfriend is, and he was so good to my daughter. I would never, I would never blame him for this. Right. But um, Colorado is an at-fault state, and so he has to get a citation. He has to get something, and, uh, you know, we've just got the final report and everything that they have determined that there was something mechanically wrong with the car. He does still have to go to court. He does still have to get a ticket and he has to go before the judge on August 8th, which I'll be there for that. We're doing all this stuff, writing a letter for the district attorney to have before that we don't want anything right. to happen to him. And it's known now, like he's getting the minimal, just um, the minimal ticket. He won't lose his license or anything, right? You know, but he's yeah. he's just gotten better himself. I mean, he was in a wheelchair. He had a knee injury, his wrist injury, and you know, just trying to navigate through all of that. And we had two beautiful celebrations of life for her. I can't even call it the other word. Mm-hmm. So we had, we celebrated, you know, we had a, because we lived in Colorado and that's where Patrick is. I wanted to have something that all of our friends up there and his, all of his family could be at. So in Boulder, we yeah had a celebration of life there and food and did it everything like with tie dye, you know, on the tables and bright you know flowers and everything and all the foods that she liked and just had it playing all of the 80s music that she loves and stuff and you know just I had it I did it to where people could come and just gather and talk for you know the first two hours and eat and just Mm -hmm. tell stories and just gathering and be together and then the last hour of it was you know, where they actually talk. Somebody got up and spoke about cadence and we did, you know, had a few things and stuff. But I had so many turtles and pictures of her and just made it look just like, I mean, she would always do things. And then two weeks later in Fort Worth, Texas, which is where I grew up and have a lot of, like, the family from her dad's side of the family. All lives in Shreveport, so it was just a couple hours for them. And so we made a a celebration there also at the Botanical Gardens. And it was a beautiful room, like all windows and plants. I mean, all the literally all the things she likes. And so we were able to do that also there in Fort Worth. And both of the celebrations had over 100 people at them. Oh, nice. It was just a time of gathering for everybody. Um, and we brought Patrick to the one in Fort Worth as well. You know, since then, I've had to meet with him so that we could clean the apartment and 
get them moved out of the apartment. Um, I'm very thankful because yeah. all of her animals that he had inherited taking care of for the past two and a half years, I didn't want to put that all on him. But mm-hmm. he said that he knew how to take care of them like Cadence wanted it taken care of. So he would take them. He was like, I'm not giving these animals to anyone else. He was like, they have meal times. <laughs> she makes them salad. <laughs> Um, so I'm very thankful that he, you know, he keeps the bearded dragon and the crested gecko and one of the turtles. So, you know, he has that and is enjoying it, you know, because that part of her. So Uh Uh I feel cadence around me all the time. I mean, I talk to her all the time. I know that she's with me all, all the time. I tried to... So we got a the big a big beautiful stone, but I also got mm-hmm. the little small memory ones for the boys. And I, when I say the boys, I don't just mean my two. I include Patrick in that. Yeah. And so I got them all three with that, and then I got a scattering tube, and I got one for Patrick as well, a smaller one, because I know that we're not always going to be together, and I want him to be able to scatter her ashes places that that he wants to. Yeah. But I had also bought her a cruise for her 21st birthday. That is this October. And that was her gift. One of her gifts at Christmas for her and Patrick to go on a cruise with me and my boyfriend. And so he's still going with us and his mom is going. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I have him still. I wouldn't have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, for him and I not to be able to have the relationship that we do. Yeah. Well, and it's like having a little bit of her left, right? When you have him. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's something that she, someone that she loved dearly. So for you to be able to still have him around is precious. I went to Gulf Shores this past week with my son Bodie and his wife and all of her family. And I hadn't been back to Gulf Shores in two years since Bodie and Steph got married there. And Cadence was a bridesmaid, and Patrick was with us then. And we stayed at the same place that my daughter-in-law's family had stayed, where all the girls got ready for the wedding and stuff. And it was an amazing trip and wonderful to be there. But there was a lot, a lot of memories just from two years ago, so it was hard. Yeah. I took her scatter, too, because I thought maybe I could, you know, on the beach that we could scatter some ashes and stuff and I kept procrastinating and the night before I was like I I can't do that I cannot it just wasn't right it wasn't the time yeah Mm -hmm. it needs to feel right yeah I I didn't want to leave a part of her there I couldn't do it it was you know my son Bodie was with me but I felt like I didn't feel right doing it which is Bodie and not having my other son there. Mm-hmm. Or I want to be with Patrick to do it, you know. And so I'm, all along I've thought maybe we can scatter her ashes, some of them, whenever we're on the cruise. Because that was what was supposed to be her 21st birthday party. Yeah. Or her 21st birthday. And so, yeah. you know, maybe then I'll feel right. So we did go down. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, and if not... 
that's okay too. That's okay too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have to do the things when right. they feel right. And sometimes it takes a really mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. <laughs> I still think of the pile of clothes that sits in my bedroom that is going to someday be a quilt that is still not a quilt. And we're almost five years. So there right. it just sits because it's not right the right time yet. So, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to do what feels right. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I go to a lot of counseling and I do a lot of therapy. But, you know, I didn't just lose my daughter that day. I lost my best friend. Yeah. Yep. And that's just even more complicated, too. When it's someone that you spent so much time with every day and, you know, even on FaceTime, because you weren't in the same town anymore, but you right. still talked constantly. Mm-hmm. And her, you know, Patrick was supposed to graduate this year in May, just this past May, and they were planning to move back to the town where I live, which is a very small town of a thousand people or I mean, we don't even have a stoplight there. Yeah. And so her and Patrick were going to move back to the town where I live. I mean, you walk everywhere in this town. And so, you know, they were going to be close by. And I think that's part of the reason why I can't be there now. Because it doesn't feel right being there whenever... I should have them right there by me. Yeah, you talked about that before we started recording about how it's just so, so difficult for you to be at home and how you are in different spots. Because right now you are in Texas. I am. Is that right? Yeah. So you've just been sort of trying to move from place to place a little bit, it sounds like. And I I spend, Mm -hmm. my son is back up in Steamboat this summer working and my boyfriend's up there working too right now. So it's like when I'm in Netherlands where my house is and where Cadence and Patrick were coming back to because Cadence loved the town of Ned. So when the accident first happened, I was like, I felt like that was where I needed to be. I was like, I'm ready. I want to stay here forever because this is the place she loved. This is where she went, where she wanted to come back to. Yeah. And she was not fond of Steamboat because it's a ski town, a mountain town, but it's busy. Yeah. People go there all the time. You know, she was always like, I'm ready to get out of Steamboat. There's too much going on here. Too many people come here. But I'm finding comfort being in Steamboat now. Oh, really? And I think that's because that's the last place she was. That's the last. Yeah. That's where I find the most comfort is being there. I can't. I really can't just stay anywhere for too long. I get very antsy. I like I feel like I have to get somewhere. I don't like to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And you said you've not gone back to work, right? Because that was too painful. So I resigned from my job. And the week before the accident, my mom's a flight attendant for Southwest. And so mm-hmm. they don't hire. They're not doing like you can't even do an application for them very often. And so... The week before the accident, the um, application was opening for three hours. And I was like, "Mm," you know, I didn't think I'd get a job or anything. But I just, I had my resume. I'm like, oh, we'll just see. My mom would tell me, she's like, oh, it can take years to get a job, was to get on as a flight attendant with them. Okay. So I just sent my resume and then the accident happened and I, I never thought anything about it again. Yeah. So sure. then like April 1st, I got 
a message that they wanted me to come interview. And I got an offer the day I went to interview to go to training, you know, but then they didn't know when my training date was going to be and it was going to be sometime in the fall. And then I finally got a week ago, I got a training date. And so I accepted that. So I'm going to start training. Um, It's a four week program on August 14th. Going back to work, but I'm just totally changing what I'm doing. Right. Because you worked at a ski resort, right? That's where you, what you were doing before? Yeah, I was a mechanic at the ski resort. I mean. Yeah, so this is totally different. But sometimes that's what you need, I think, is a total change. I don't know. Yes, because, I mean, if you would have asked me a year ago, I'm like, nope, I'm going to be right here at Eldora Ski Resort for the rest of my life. I mean, I love working in the ski industry, but Cadence and I skied together. I don't, I haven't even been on my skis or in the snow since the day before the accident, my last day of work. I mean, my mom came to go skiing. She worked there with you. She, you said, you had said too, that she worked at that place with you. And Yes, I would see her all the time when I was, you know, coming through. She'd be that lift working controls or doing maze yeah. control and stuff, like getting the people set up to get on the lift. And so I'd have to come through and stuff. And she'd always say hi to me. And, you know, I mean, she would holler across everybody. Hi, mom. <laughs> so That's probably what she wanted to do coming back too, huh? going to come back and move there and Patrick would do culinary school and she'd probably work with her mama again right (laughs) yeah so you know it was just I could you know even going up there and seeing the resort I'm like I don't want to be here I don't like my whole desire to really my desire to even be living in the mountains I just I don't want it I mean if, if I had the choice now I would just live at the beach like, I want the complete opposite yeah. of what I had, but I do find comfort being in Steamboat, you know, where sh- where they were living. Yeah. Well, and it's so strange, too, because you are only just a few months into your grief now. I mean, it's not that far at all. And so things change so much, too, over time, so that you might not feel comfort being at home now, but who knows what that will be like six months from now or a year from now could be the exact opposite. You just don't really have any idea. So I think you've done the right thing and that you've done some traveling and going and staying with different family members and different friends, but not making real permanent changes. Right. I mean, I just rent my place where I'm at. And I mean, it just, I'm going to say, I mean, I've probably been there 10 nights since the accident, but I mean, I've re-signed my lease just a couple of weeks ago because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to give it up. Right. And then Cadence's best friend, Katie, lives, you know, like half a mile from my house. So she goes there every day, takes care of my plants, takes care of Cadence's animals that I have, the tortoise and the one turtle. So she's over there every single day to do that. And she loves doing that because she knows how Cadence took care of her animals, too. So, I mean, sometimes she'll yeah. call me or send me a picture. She's like, I made this salad for Ellis. I'm like, oh, that's okay. That's what you do. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's beautiful. You know, I've gotten a letter from the recipient of her kidney. Oh, good. Which was 
It was so sweet. I mean, it's a lady that doesn't even hardly speak English. It was all written in Spanish, and Donors Alliance translated it for me. But, you know, I mean, just hearing her story, I mean, she was in her 40s, has a 10-year-old son, but she was on dialysis and wasn't able to really go outside with her son. Her husband works construction. She couldn't even eat the meals and stuff with her family. And so... You know, ever since she's had her transplant, she's just all those, she's able to do all those things again. I've bought cards to, to send, to reach out to her heart recipient and her liver recipient, but I haven't done that yet. I was very eager to hear and talk to them, but when I got the letter first from her kidney recipient, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be. You know, I haven't, I haven't rushed at getting the other letters to them, but uh, you know. It's, yeah, I can totally understand that because I've been on the other side of that with my foster son getting his kidney. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very, it's, it's so different for me now thinking about it because it, he got his kidney from a 14 year old Mm -hmm. girl and then my 14-year-old son died two years later. So I have this, you know, we wrote to her back and forth just the one time. But I've wondered about her so much since just because I, you know, had to be on the other side. Right. Just a very short time later, just two years later. So and I, I tell everybody now, you know, it's like it is not just checking the box to choose to be an organ donor. Like when you choose that. Yeah. You need to talk to your family about it. I mean, you need to make sure that they understand, like, these are your wishes that you want to be an organ donor because I've always wanted to be an organ donor, but I didn't realize that process. So as soon as, you know, they, they call that date and time, donate life takes over. But I mean, it's like you're, you still have your person there. So, I mean, it was like for a long time and, Sometimes still now, but it's like I have Mondays that I'm like, oh, this we're at 23 weeks from the accident or whatever. Yeah. Well, then Wednesday rolls around and it's like, it was 23 weeks ago that, you know, yeah. Canaan's passed. And then Friday rolls around and it's like, well, it was 23 weeks since, yeah. you know, since her honor walk, which is what really feels like the date to me because I was with her for yeah for that whole week, you know, for those four days. You know, it's just like you have, it's like I have three days, not one. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging for sure. Right. And, you know, they, they're amazing. They come in, they do so much for you. I mean, there was just snacks and food like the cart just rolled into the room constantly stuff there I mean if you want coffee tea water I mean they just do all kinds of stuff and it's it's kind of overwhelming but yeah I'm sure but then you know I mean it's comforting too I mean they come in and are talking to you and they have somebody that is from Donors Alliance that was just right there in the room with us at all times and when, it, you know, like with the families, they would step out and be like, okay, well, we'll just be right outside here if you need it. Yeah, but they don't right. really leave your side, you know? So yeah, I think that would be very overwhelming to somebody who 
you know, wasn't somewhat knowledgeable of the whole idea of what happens whenever. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing Cadence with us today. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure to say kind of as parting words to other grieving families? You know, I just really want, I want to bring a lot of awareness to organ donation. Yeah. Because I don't think it's talked about enough. And to know that she's, she's still out there and that she's, um, you know, saving lives and that's what she would want. I know that's what she wanted. Yeah. Well, and it's such a blessing that you do know for sure, because she just yes. made that decision with you just a week before the yes. accident. So, I mean, yeah. I knew that's what she wanted, but the fact that she had yeah, gone right. and made that decision on her own was just, that was yeah. where I found comfort. I found comfort whenever they told me like, you know, who the, that she was getting recipients and that, you know, that it was like, she's still with me. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that gives you mm-hmm. a little bit of peace. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate coming on and being able to talk to you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment to help financially you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.